Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's a gridiron stud show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. All right, it's the Monday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson here, flying solo today, doing the Gridiron Stud Show. My co-host could not make it today. I don't know what he pulled a hamstring or something. He's on the IR, not here today, so it's me uh, for the next one hour talking about all of the great things that went down this weekend in high school football, college football, and professional football. And I just don't know where to start uh, so many great things happened. It started on, you know, listen, Saturday was uh, ridiculous in terms of the kind of football games we had. Uh, you're talking about North Carolina and Florida State. What a back and forth there. Great game. Um, if you were neutral or you were a North Carolina Tar Heels fan, you definitely got your money's worth. If you're a Florida State fan, then maybe not so much. You didn't like the outcome of that contest. But nevertheless, if uh, you love college football, it started right there between those two. Florida State drove down the field and then a pretty uh, miraculous final play for Florida State with uh, quarterback DeAndre Francois avoiding a rush, diving into the end zone. And I'm sure all of the fans at Doak Campbell were uh, out of their minds. You know, this game didn't start off right. It was kind of typical for a Florida State game so far in the 2016 season. Defense comes out not getting it done. North Carolina going up and down the field, seizing early control. But, you know, based on the heels of what was done in the Ole Miss game uh, and even a little bit last week against South Florida in which South Florida jumped out and scored on the first play of the game, uh, if you're a Florida State fan, you felt like, okay, we shouldn't panic here. And besides, North Carolina hasn't really been that solid on defense this year. Got a chance to come back in this football game. And as well, they did. Florida State making their way back into the contest. And like I said, seizing the lead very, very late in this game. And uh, somehow worked their way out of that win. <laughs> um, kicked the ball off to North Carolina. They get it and advance it up the field. Um, you know, uh, and then also off of a penalty, got in the field goal range with about four seconds left, and boom, kicker hits the, I mean, what was it, 54 yards out, hits uh, the game-winning field goal, and proceeds to run around the field doing the tomahawk chop, uh, a real serious troll by the North Carolina kicker. I'm sure that'll come up in years past. That's an image that you're going to see replayed 
in this rivalry for years to come. And it has turned into that now with that victory. It is indeed now a rivalry, not the look that Florida State wanted one week ahead of, uh, you know, one of their biggest games of the year every year, and that is their annual clash with the University of Miami. So not the way that Florida State wants to go into this thing. A disappointing loss, again, a very poor performance by the defense, uh, which has just been given up yards and points like crazy this season, uh, and everyone's trying to figure it out, what's going on with uh, Florida State's defense. Articles are being written and every, you know, things of Things of that nature as people are just really trying to figure out where things have gone wrong. Here's a tale of the tape for Florida State. 34 points given up against Ole Miss. Eight given up against Charleston Southern. Even that, there you got to scratch your head about it. Charleston Southern had a number of players suspended. How are you giving up anything to them? The 63 against Louisville, which will be a stain on the brain of Florida State fans for quite some time. 35 given up to South Florida in that 55-35 win last week. Even that was a problem. And 37 points given up to North Carolina. This Florida State defense, I believe this is the most amount of points they've given up through five games to start off a season, uh, I think, ever in their in this program's history. If not, it's pretty darn close. Um, so, you know, they've got a lot of issues and things to fix there. And now, like I said, you've got the University of Miami who's hitting on all cylinders right now coming up next week. University of Miami improved to 4-0 and on the season with their solid win over Georgia Tech. Defense coming to play. Back-to-back fumble recoveries, breaking the game open as Miami wins 35-21 to over Georgia Tech. That defense is playing lights out. Um, and they're one of the leaders in terms of scoring defense in the uh, in the country right now allowing just 44 points on the season and then for the university of florida a sluggish performance really not what you want to see uh, on the heels of the disappointing loss to tennessee they go out and play once again head back to tennessee and play vanderbilt and uh end up with a 13-6 win another lackluster performance the last you know six quarters of football for uh Florida's offense just really has not uh, been anything to write home about, to say the least. Muster only 13 points against Vanderbilt, who typically plays good defense, but you should be scoring more than 13 points. Uh, The Gators did have a chance to get to 20 and score once again late in the game, but then fumble a snap from the one-yard line. So it's just uh, another sloppy outing offensively for the Gators. Defense return, though, however, only holding Vanderbilt to two field goals attempt. Uh, out of their five games this season, the uh, University of Florida has held opponents to a touchdown or less. Uh, and again, the really only bad uh, stage of football that the Florida defense has had was that second half against Tennessee in which they allowed 35 points. For now, I guess we'll have to call that anomaly. But LSU does come to town this weekend, and uh, we'll find out a little bit more about this Florida defense against top-level competition as LSU strolls into this game uh, on the heels of a 42-7 to win this weekend against Missouri. And, yeah, it's Missouri, but that's an impressive win. Ed Ogeron, perhaps this is the place for Ed Ogeron, Louisiana native. Perhaps he's finally reached the place that he needs to be. We'll have to see how things go throughout this season, of course, and then how he's handled. You know, Ogeron had found himself in this situation uh, before when he was at USC, was the interim head coach, and didn't really even get an interview. I'm sure LSU will be a little bit more, um, I guess, kind is the word. 
<clears throat> to be searching for. Again, a lot of that is based on how LSU close out this season. Again, they've got a big one this weekend, high noon in Gainesville against the Florida Gators. Two teams trying to, uh, you know, get back in the races in their prospective divisions in the SEC. But let's talk about exciting finishes. Georgia and Tennessee. I, I mean, I'd be hard pressed to find a better finish to a football game than that. Um, it was another game for Tennessee in which they started off slow, very much like Florida State in that regard. But uh, Tennessee goes out, falls down early to Georgia, as many people expected. They were very, very uh, giddy and high off of the win versus Florida last week. It had been 11 years coming. So you knew they'd probably come out flat, which they did. Georgia was embarrassed by Ole Miss the week before, so you knew they would come out full of piss and vinegar, which they did. And so Georgia sees the early lead in the game, control of the game. But is there ever such a thing as control against Tennessee? They keep fighting to the finish. Joshua Dobbs uh, pulls them back into this contest. And then uh, the defense goes to work, gets a sack on Jacob Eason in the end zone, and he fumbles it. Uh, it was 24-21 Georgia at the time. He fumbles in the end zone. Tennessee recovers. And this all happens with under a minute less left in the game. Georgia is up 28 24. Looks like it's pretty much over unless this kid could whiz him down the field. And that's, you know, when you're short on timeouts and time and you got to drive the length of the field, it doesn't look very good for Georgia. But lo and behold, the kid rolls out, Jacob Eason, and uh, he's got a cannon, folks. Flies one down the field into the hands of Riley Ridley, a freshman out of uh, South Florida. Many of you would know him, played at uh, Deerfield Beach and at Monarch and catches the what appeared to be the game-winning touchdown. I mean, that stadium went absolutely wild, and um, you know CBS did a good job of catching the faces of Tennessee fans that were in attendance. Total dismay, shock, bewilderment, all that. Game is over, season crushed. Can't believe it. How do we go from winning to Florida, uh, beating Florida? Um, and then turning around and losing to Georgia, who was murdered last week by Ole Miss. But game should have been over, right? False. Tennessee, uh, look, I've got to say this. This whole celebration penalty thing that they've got going on, they want to stop celebrations. I've never liked it, obviously. And in this situation, may have just cost Georgia this football game because now Georgia gets this penalty, 15-yard penalty, advances the ball, um, you know, now Georgia had to kick off from the 20-yard line. Um, Evan Berry is obviously a, 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 a pretty good return man. Gives him good field position for that final play of the game. And Joshua Dobbs drops back, launches one. And again, it's Jawan Jennings, the converted quarterback receiver, uh, who goes up and uh, makes the, the outstanding catch. I don't know what Georgia was doing on that final play in terms of Hail Mary defense. You rush with three men. You've got your big, you know, you've got your big guy, uh, Lorenzo Carter, in the back of the end zone. Should have been at the goal line. You, you need the guy up in front, not behind. So he ends up behind the pile. Can't really be a factor. Juwan Jennings. Tennessee has big receivers, and Juwan Jennings, being one of them, goes up in the middle of the pack, catches the football, and you could just feel all of the air being let out of the stadium. Stunning, stunning. Uh, finish to that game so after the North Carolina Florida State game and then what you had going on in Georgia between the Bulldogs and the Volunteers you're saying to yourself I don't see any way that this game later on tonight between Louisville and Clemson can top that and while the finish 
was not exactly like Georgia and Tennessee. Folks, if you tune in on Saturday night to the Louisville-Clemson game, you were treated to yet another game. It's just college football is great, isn't it? An outstanding football game back and forth. You're watching two magicians at quarterback, Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson, go at it. Dynamic plays, great passes. You're seeing good defense on both sides. It was an outstanding football game to watch. And at the end of the day, it came down to the final minutes and seconds. And uh, everyone's still trying to wonder what James Quick was doing with that final pass from Lamar Jackson. Uh, You know, needing a first down close to the goal line and and, uh, inexplicably quick on an under route with all types of space just pretty much runs out of bounds short of the short of the line to make on fourth down and effectively ending the game for uh, Louisville and their hopes of coming back against Clemson very very close I you know I you can't go about dropping Louisville very far uh, after a result like that so um you know, just a bunch of great college football games this weekend. And, uh, you know, the NFL had a hard act to follow. And, you know, of course, if you're a college football fan or even if you're a fan of both, you just got to say right now, college football is where it's at, folks. I mean, nothing against the NFL, but college football, absolutely where it's at. Last night or yesterday in the NFL, if you woke up early, you were treated to football right away or something looking like football as the Colts and the Jaguars uh, did battle. Uh, this one, the Jaguars pick up their first victory of the season, beating the Colts 30-27. to You know, Emil and I did our preseason predictions for the NFL, and neither one of us were high on the Colts. Some were scratching their heads about it. But Andrew Luck, hey, listen, this guy can only go that far. Um, he doesn't have much around him. And to be quite honest, he's made a living beating up on the sorry sack of teams that play in the AFC South. And uh, now we're just really starting to get a good look at what it is the Colts have going on. They dropped to 1-3 and three on the season, their lone win at home against the Chargers. Jacksonville gets their first victory of the season. They, too, are 1-3. And, three. and uh, both teams head into a bye next week. Or actually, no. Uh, the uh, the Colts do take on the Bears next week, so they got to they flew out to London, played in that contest, took a L, come back home. Now they got to play the Bears. I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts go and take another loss. How about the Patriots? Luck finally running out. Jacoby Brissett did not look good at all, and I would dare say that's probably the uh, one and only opportunity he's really going to get as a New England Patriot. So uh, really, Jacoby Brissett's. Uh, career right now, as it stands, is pretty much auditioning some kind of way, some kind of how for another squad because I don't think he's going to get another opportunity uh, as a New England Patriot unless, again, folks get suspended and there are a massive amount of uh, injuries that take place. The Patriots get shut out for the first time in a long time. I want to see 10 seasons since the Matt Castle year in which he filled in for Tom Brady as they fall 16 to nothing versus the Buffalo Bills. So, you know, that was interesting. Watch the Redskins and the Browns game. Man, the Browns are fighting hard, but they just find some kind of way to lose games in the end. And it's just amazing how they go about doing that. I say we got about two or three more weeks of fight left in the Browns before they just get a case of the efforts and just go about losing games without uh, without a care in the world. How about those Raiders? Going into Baltimore, taking on the previously undefeated Baltimore Ravens and come out of there with a cardiac win, 28-27. The Oakland Raiders, man, really uh, coming out and getting it done. 
I was uh, I've been feeling the Raiders for a couple of years now. I, I still think they're a year away from doing something really serious, but they're really moving in the right direction, and I like what they did there. All right, we'll uh, talk more about the NFL as I go through and wrap up all of the action in the NFL this previous weekend, as well as in college football. But first, we need to take a break. When I get back, it's college football talk here on the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll be right back. Sure, summer's gone, winter's here, but that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper soul at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. It's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-ShirtSupplies.com. Go there now. Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process? for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiations and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance. No one's got time for that. MVP does though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP property management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.
Back here on the Gridiron Stud Show, Monday a weekend recap. Again, flying solo this weekend. I mean, not this weekend. Let me get my act together. Flying solo here this Monday. Emil Calamino is out of us, so it's just me. Me and me alone here for the next uh, 40 minutes for the uh, Gridiron Stud Show. If you want to call into the show today, the number is 347-633-9365. Again, 347-633-9365. What was your favorite part of this football weekend? Was it uh, the North Carolina-Florida State game? Was it Georgia-Tennessee? Was it Louisville-Clemson? Or was it anything that went on in the NFL yesterday? We also had some high school football go down. Shocker down here in South Florida for all of you South Florida high school football fans down this way. Some uh, interesting results, uh, notwithstanding the uh, Carroll City Central game. Who saw that coming? I I mean, uh, totally caught by surprise on that one as uh, the Carroll City Chiefs go out and get it done in a big way against the uh, Against Central, uh, I mean, perhaps, you know, we uh, perhaps Central was just a little too high off of their win, blowout win, last week against Booker T, in which they won 42-14. Now, that didn't really tell the tale of that game. It was a closer game than that, but Central just failing to show up for this game at all as they get completely crushed by Carroll City, 34-7. to and this was a Carroll City team that already had two losses on the season. Central came into the game undefeated. Now Central finds themselves in this crazy position because they're, they are in a very strong, strong district. This Northwestern versus Central game is everything coming up. Loser of that game. Uh, look, Central loses that game. I dare say Central is out of the playoffs who could have ever have thought something crazy as that? But, you know, once you lose a game in that district, you know, the, you're, you're, uh, you're, uh, you're up at the creek. Everyone calls that the SEC. But let's talk about who's in that district. It's Miami Central. It's Northwestern. It's Carroll City. It's New Orleans. It's a tough district. And right now in the district, Miami Central is 1-1. One and one. So they can ill afford to take a loss. Now, in uh, another loss in district play, because Northwestern beats them, and then we're really looking at Northwestern and Carroll City advancing. I mean, Norland's also a solid football team that's probably, you know, not going to make it to the playoffs this year. And as you know, I was, you know, talking with Joshua Wilson on Friday, they've made some uh, some adjustments to the high school football playoff system down here in the state of Florida. The ins and outs of it, I don't exactly have all of the details on that, so I don't want to venture into that and steer people wrong, but I will uh, have Joshua Wilson lay that out for us in its entirety when he comes on with us Friday, just to lay it out. And uh, I believe the way that works out, you won't see something like what we're going to see in District 6A-16, where you've got four great teams, Central, Northwestern, Carroll City, and Norland, and you've got them sitting at home while uh, some two- or three-win football team elsewhere gets into the playoffs. There's just no system in which that could be understood. Just makes absolutely no sense. But uh, Central versus Northwestern, 
uh, has just turned into a huge deal. And uh, now all eyes are going to absolutely, you know, be be on that football game as uh, it's going to be for all the marbles, as they say. And uh, yeah, that's a it's a it's a big one. You're gonna have to wait a couple of weeks for it. That one comes up on uh, October 14th. We'll be at Traz Powell Stadium. That's gonna be a that's gonna be big time. That's gonna be a life or death struggle. And uh, can Northwestern pull it off? Yeah, absolutely. Northwestern can pull it off. I mean, if Central can go out there and uh, you know lose a game in this fashion against Carroll City, they can certainly lose to Northwestern. I mean, Central almost lost their contest against Norland. Now, Central has been going through some things there on the team where they've had to suspend some players, and so that's caused some issues for them. I'm sure if you talk to Roland Smith, he will not want to put that out there as an excuse, but it has to be a factor. It's definitely a factor in what's going on right now with Miami Central. But uh, that was one of the big stories in terms of high school football down here locally. The other big one was the ESPN game between St. Thomas Aquinas and number one in the country, Bishop Gorman. Now, crazily, St. Thomas went into this thing as well over a two-touchdown underdog, a three-touchdown underdog in some places. Joe Pinkos, uh, who does power ratings for high school football teams in the state of Florida, had St. Thomas Aquinas as a 24-point underdog. Now, you could talk to Roger Harriet and the folks at St. Thomas and tell you that that was in no way played a factor. It was you know, not something they BS. I can absolutely tell you that they knew about that point spread. They knew that they were underdogs that big, and I'm sure it fueled their fire. And it was a very good football game. Defensive for most of it. Some of y'all will look at the final score, and perhaps you'll like ignore that the game went into triple overtime. It was a 10-10 football game at the end of regulation. A lot of good defense played. A lot of dominance up front uh, by both defensive lines kind of controlled the football game. And it became difficult to, uh, you know, get anything going in a passing game for both of these teams. Uh, runs here or there, but not enough to uh, sustain drives. So it kind of killed the offensive production. I know folks that tune into football nowadays, the common fan wants to see a bunch of points put up or it becomes boring. Folks think uh, like a 10 to 10 football game is like a soccer game to them, and that's kind of where we are. Me, I, I can appreciate a defensive football game, and that's what you had between these two teams. That was 10 to 10 at the end of regulation. And so uh, you go back and forth, touchdowns being scored, and uh, in the overtime periods, and then uh, at the end, the third overtime period, uh, after St. Thomas has scored, Bishop Gorman decides to go for two. Uh, and hammer it in there. Get the win. Two-point conversion. And win it 25-24. Uh, an outstanding game. You know, I'm sure ESPN was happy. Captivated an audience on a Friday night, which is not the easiest thing in the world to do. But nevertheless, uh, they come up with the victory. And uh, continue and keep their number one ranking. A lot of chatter on Twitter back and forth before uh, this football game. And it continued afterwards as uh, a lot of teams going back and forth at each other. I mean, a lot of the uh, members of each team going back and forth, you know, kind of typical. Nothing unusual there. And so uh, 
you know, that's what you had going on after that contest. And again, Bishop Gorman winning at 25 to 24. Another big one had down here in South Florida, and that was the uh, game between Flanagan and Miramar. That's a district battle that you had going on there. And uh, if you remember last year, these two teams, I mean, you had flags flying at the kickoff, or at the coin toss, actually. Started the game off with a 15-yard penalty as uh, teams refused to shake hands. and Miramar player got slapped in the face by a Flanagan player. That's how that game started off last year. Flanagan was the eventual winner last year, as they were this year. But this one was very, very close, came down to the wire. Flanagan scores late. As they were being shut out for most of the game, the majority of this game was a 7 nothing game for Miramar. And then Flanagan scores late, goes for two, gets it, wins. And uh, once again, Miramar High School comes up short in, uh, in their game against Flanagan. So what does that district look like? That's a kind of a competitive district down there, but taking a look at things, Miramar, Flanagan. They were both uh, undefeated in the district coming in, as was Western, but now Miramar takes their first loss. Flanagan improves to 2-0 and in the district. You could pretty much call South Plantation, Plantation, Everglades, and yeah, even those three are pretty much out of it, not playing the best football right now, but uh, that's what you've got going on right now down there. So that was the uh, interesting things that went on in uh, high school football locally down here. I'm sure there were some other games. But we'll get into more of what happened last week and uh, what's coming up this week when I, again, have Joshua Wilson from Florida. HSfootball.com join me on Friday to do our Football Friday show. But we're getting down to the nitty-gritty in high school football across the country, but especially here in the state of Florida as the – Playoff races are we're getting into the middle of the playoff races and district play and at this point in time in the season if you're losing district games you're putting yourself out of the playoff race so everything becomes vital and important and so uh, you know this is when it gets hot and heavy and uh, high school football takes on uh, you know a life of its own but getting back to college football this weekend. You know, again, uh, some great action going on all over the place. ACC football stepping up. People weren't thinking much about ACC football a couple of years ago, but, um, you know, Miami coming back into the fold, Louisville rising up behind the dynamic quarterback, Lamar Jackson, Clemson continuing to be strong, teams like North Carolina coming out of the woodwork, And let's face it, Florida State falling back a little bit makes it interesting because, look, nobody was selling out, especially on social media, better than Florida State over the last couple of years, and they had a reason to be. I just put this up on Twitter and just something for folks to think about. Under the Jimbo Fisher era, before Jameis Winston, Fisher had a 31-10 record at Florida State. While Jameis was there, Florida State 27 and 1 and now post Jameis 13 and 5. So, you know, somewhere around a 74% winning percentage. When Jameis Winston was not on the field, 
and a part of the Florida State program, a 96% winning percentage when he was there. And uh, now that he's gone, back to uh, winning three-fourths of the game, which, as you know, is just not going to get it done for Florida State fans who have already tasted a national championship, a Heisman Trophy winner, and all the uh, spoils that come with it. Folks are saying now that they are okay with Jimbo Fisher leaving should he, you know, get the call from LSU or move on. You know, and some of your more radical fans wouldn't mind seeing Jimbo get fired. I know they'd like the defensive coordinator fired. That's that's uh, no surprise there. They definitely want that to happen, as uh, as I said in the opening segment. Uh, this, I believe, is the most points given up by a Florida State team through the first five games of a season in the program's history. Now, this was this was an all-girls school at one point. I better stop. You know, it's Florida State Miami week, and obviously you could sense a little bit of that venom in me as a University of Miami grad. But uh, uh, listen, Florida State fans, you got to know it's coming. You guys have been selling out big time for the last three years. Uh, it's been in your face to everybody. You're just going to have to wear these attacks with pride because they're coming. And you knew they were coming. Maybe you thought they were coming later. But no, 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 they're here now. You're going to get them now. It's when you're going to get them. And they're coming at you fast and furious Florida State fans. But let's talk about the rest of the ACC and what then went down this weekend. I think I touched on much of it. University of Miami goes out and gets the win versus Georgia Tech. Looking at the box score, some things you might want to look at. A solid outing for Brad Kyle goes 13 of 19, 241 yards. Stacy Coley steps up as a leading receiver, four catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown. Not an outstanding rushing performance, though, uh, in terms of what else we've seen in the previous uh, games, Mark Walton kind of held in check, 15 carries, only 44 yards. Joe Yerby had a better day, and that's the thing I like about the Miami's rushing attack. You've got two different styles of runners in Walton and Yerby, and usually if you're able to stop one, you're going to have a hard time with the other and vice versa. So, yes, uh, Saturday was not Walton's day, but Yerby uh, got loose a little bit. Nine carries, 65 yards. Both players um, had touchdowns in the contest. So the stage is set. For the uh, Florida State-Miami game. I don't know what kind of week of practice Florida State's going to have. You'd love to say, okay, on the heels of the loss, they're going to come in here full of fire. But you know what? Given where Florida State has been over the last few years, uh, you got to wonder if there won't be a kind of a, you know, a letdown for them, if you could believe it, where they just say, you know, we're not really playing for anything. This is not what we're used to here. We're not even in the playoff race. We're out of it early. With two losses now, I mean, what do we have to play for? They've got the whole Showtime deal going. Can we admit that that was a bad idea? So, nevertheless, um, this is it. You know, Florida State goes hard this weekend. I think you do because it is a University of Miami. It's rivalry rivalry week. And if if there's one thing you could salvage out of the season is that you beat the University of Miami. They go hard this week and lose this contest. Wow the uh, wheels are going to come off in Tallahassee. The other thing of note is uh, Syracuse and Notre Dame. Great offensive day for Notre Dame. Deshaun Kaiser, 23 of 35, 471 yards, passing their rush for 183 yards, all kind of passes uh, being caught, all kind of yards being gained on the ground. They had four wide receivers go over 50 yards in receiving 
led by Equinemius St. Brown, who had four catches for 182 yards, two touchdowns. Big day for him. But the thing of note and that people are going to want to talk about is the defense. Brian Kelly goes out and fires Brian Van Gorder. Uh, nothing changes. Syracuse quarterback Dungey goes 31 of 51, 363 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, a massive amount of yards, uh, you know, about almost 500 yards of offense for Syracuse in this game against Notre Dame. So things aren't looking too good there for Notre Dame right now, just really struggling to get to, you know, and come anywhere close to the expectations they had coming into the season. Let's slide over to the Big 12. And the big story in the Big 12 and probably only thing really worth talking about out of this conference this past weekend was the Oklahoma State versus Texas game, one in which Oklahoma State, who I told you on Friday I've not been very impressed with, puts up 49 points and beats Texas 49-31. This prompted some comments coming out of the powers that be at Texas that uh, everything will be evaluated in the Texas program. And that, you know, it's going to start with head coach Charlie Strong. And as you know, folks did not want Charlie Strong there. A lot of boosters did not. So I think the handwriting's on the wall for Charlie Strong. Don't think he's going to make it through the season or, or make it. Well, they did say that Charlie Strong would, make it through the season. But the way in which they said that would suggest that right there on the field, he'll have to turn in his coaching polo right there on the field after their final game versus TCU. But what lays ahead for Texas, it's the annual clash against Oklahoma. That's going to be a tough game, though Texas has found ways to win it and be a total thorn in the side of the Sooners. I mean, get embarrassed in that game, lose by a couple of touchdowns against Oklahoma, and I think that whole thing about Charlie Strong making it through the season might go out the window. And then how can Texas even say that? If in your mind, Texas, you're going to let go of Charlie Strong, and the way things work in this day and age, if you're pretty sure you're going to do that, you don't let Charlie Strong make it through the end of the season because you've got to start going about finding a new coach. Similar to what we saw happen with LSU. So I don't know how Texas can emphatically come out and say that they're, Charlie Strong's going to make it to the end of the year. Now you have said something you may regret saying, because, again, you go out against Oklahoma and get embarrassed, you're going to have an issue. And Texas has just not been able to find their defense. 47 points given up in a win versus Notre Dame. You give up 50 points in a loss to California. And then you give up 49 to Oklahoma State. I mean, there's not too many wins for you on your schedule when you're playing defense like that. So you've got Oklahoma coming up. Iowa State's not an easy out anymore, as you could see the uh, contest that they had this weekend. They're not an easy out. Then you're going to Kansas State. And you can underestimate Bill Schneider if you want to. Then there's Baylor. Then there's Texas Tech who can put up points in bunches. Then there's West Virginia who knows where the end zone is. Then Kansas and then TCU. I mean, you do the math on that. Does it look good for Texas going forward? And now is Texas going to have to eat those words on keeping Charlie Strong till the end of the year? I found that statement to be quite curious because it just sounds to me like you're going to get rid of the guy. The only other big game in the conference this weekend uh, was Oklahoma beating uh, TCU in quite the basketball fashion, 52-4. I mean, no one plays defense in that conference. It's just amazing how that goes. So sliding over to the Big Ten, 
How about Iowa? You know, Colin Cowherd has not been a big fan of Iowa and, you know, how they go about scheduling. And maybe it's hurting them at this point because now Iowa goes out and, again, loses. Lost to North Dakota State a couple weeks ago. Didn't look all that great in a bounce-back game against Rutgers in which they only won by a touchdown. And then they lose at home to Northwestern, who's been struggling, folks. So Iowa not looking like uh, that deal. You know who looks like that deal? Ohio State. They open a first aid kit on Rutgers, 58 to nothing. Ohio State, if you ask me, is the best football team in the country right now. We can continue with this Alabama stuff, but Ohio State right now is your best football team in the country. And I suppose we'll find that out at the end of the year. But right now, uh, it looks like to me that that's the best football team in the country. Michigan and Wisconsin, you had a lot of folks, pundits out there, people in the know, saying that this won't even be a contest. Wisconsin got all kind of uh, lucky bounces against Michigan State. Hey, listen, what you guys call lucky bounces is what other people will recognize as just, you know, creating opportunities and then capitalizing on them. And I think that's more of what Wisconsin's been doing this year. And uh, they play a very, very tough game against Michigan. Michigan comes up with a fourth-quarter touchdown, and they get the win. Now, Michigan was a 12-point favorite in this game. They end up winning the game 14-7. to Wisconsin, folks, is a better team than what you want to believe. And at some point, you're going to be forced to give them credit. Wisconsin probably going to be the team coming out of the other half, which is what we call the other part of the uh, Big Ten that doesn't have Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State. They're looking like they're going to be the ones to come out of that division of the Big Ten. Other happenings in the Big Ten this weekend, Michigan State and Indiana. I mean, what gives with Michigan State? Who can explain them right now? They're half-baked against Furman. They go get a big win against Notre Dame. They get blown out by Wisconsin. You'd figure you lose 30-6 to to Wisconsin. You've got to respond the next week against Indiana. Fat chance. They lose 24-21. And now Michigan State pretty much out of uh, the sweepstakes. And it's just going to be a Michigan-Ohio State battle. for the real part of uh, the Big Ten. Shimmying out west in the Pacific 12, Pac-12. Friday night, Washington ran all through Stanford. That was one-sided from the word go, 44-6. to Stanford just totally out of gas after the uh, wins over UCLA and USC. How about the 21st-ranked Colorado Buffaloes? I guess Colorado's for real, folks. Maybe you didn't want to believe early on. Maybe you thought the game against Michigan in which they, uh, you know, went back and forth and took them to the fourth quarter was somewhat of a fluke. It's not. Colorado destroys Oregon State 47-6. And now folks just really got to start paying attention to Colorado football as it stands right now. The Buffaloes are 4-1 and on the season with their lone win or lone loss again at Michigan. They're a key player in uh, the Pac-12. You better open your eyes and recognize. And they're putting up points like crazy. 47 against Oregon State one week after going to Oregon and putting up 41 against the Ducks. Number 24, Utah, upset by Cal. USC, which was one of my picks, blows out Arizona State. And now everyone uh, is in love with 
Darnold as the quarterback for USC. This should have been done from day one. I'm sure the coaching staff at USC will kick themselves in the rear end from not making him the starter from day one. But all the young man does is go out and completes 23 of 33 for 352 yards and three touchdowns. That's a nice day. Juju Smith, seven catches, 123 yards, leading receiver for USC in that one. And uh, the hits keep coming for Oregon, who's fallen back. Washington State puts up 51 on the Ducks en route to a 51-33 win. So let's talk about the Southeastern Conference. Uh, We touched on uh, these already, Tennessee and Georgia for the second week in a row. Tennessee comes from behind and in a super, super emotional win. I don't know what these guys are going to have in the tank as they head out to Texas A&M. That's going to be an extreme. Folks, if Tennessee, after the last two weeks and what they've had to do to get wins, can go into Texas A&M and get a win against the Aggies, you got to love Tennessee's chances to win the entire SEC and get into this college football playoff. Josh Dobbs is pulling it off. you got to give credit where credit is due. And I know if you're not a Tennessee fan, you can't stand Tennessee fans. They are a complete mob. They're a mob on game day as they pack the stadium 102,000 strong. They're a mob on Twitter and social media, and they've been in all their glee over the last two weeks, so you can't stand them. But the truth of the matter is Tennessee playing some magical football right now, number nine ranked team in the country. And uh, they go out and get it done against Georgia. Now they've got to go travel to Texas A&M. That is going to be an extremely difficult game for Tennessee to get by and win. Texas A&M, ahead of that game, goes out and uh, not the best game they've played this season, but they do get the 24-13 win against a tough South Carolina football team who still can't find any offense, but will play some strong defense with you. Alabama, number one team in the country, gets a win over Kentucky, 34-6. Talked about LSU stomping Missouri ahead of their game against Florida. Mississippi gets a lead, keeps a lead, beats Memphis 48-28. So that was your college football weekend. Let's talk about my picks. I'm talking about the picks for both Emil and I this weekend. We had a good weekend so far as that is concerned. Emil will not be proud of uh, you know, the picks that he the pick that he had with uh Notre Dame, but he did get the ATS win on that. Pick Notre Dame, minus 10.5. I'm sure he's kind of sweating that out when Syracuse didn't look all that great. Uh, when Syracuse was holding their own against Notre Dame, let me say. But in the end, 50-33, to 33, Notre Dame does cover the 10.5-point spread, but you'd swear they lost it, as it was a kind of an ugly game defensively for them. So he gets to win with that. Georgia Tech, probably a game he could have covered. It wasn't for two, you know, very poor plays offensively for Georgia Tech in which they fumbled the ball away. Not only did they fumble it away, right into the hands of University of Miami defenders who took it all the way into the end zone. University of Miami very uh, opportunistic on defense, and uh, they scored on both of those, costing uh, Amel his pick on that. And uh, he jumped in with the big magical game, the game of the day, Tennessee and Georgia. Picked Georgia as an underdog like them coming off of the big loss at home to Ole Miss and Tennessee getting their glorious win versus Florida the week before. You know, all things matched up. You know, I talked about that game saying I would have loved to have seen Georgia be a bigger underdog in the game, but he had the guts to take it. So he took it, 
Georgia plus three and a half ends up with the win in that one. So two and one on the day. He needed to do that. Pull himself out of I think a four and eight hole. I think he was in. So he improves to um, six and thirteen. Or no, look at my math. That's why I have him on here. Six and nine on the season. Six and nine on the season for Emil as he goes uh, two and one. I had uh, Louisville minus two game. I sure looked like I was going to win. As Louisville started to see some control in the second half, but you know Clemson at home not not having it. Came back, got the win, and you know all the stuff that went down in the end didn't work in my favor. So uh, took a loss with Louisville. Only loss that I had in college football weekend as USC went out and handled their business against Arizona State. Looking the new offense looking good. So it would be interesting to see what USC does going forward. But as a 10.5-point favorite, covered easily against Arizona State. And then Friday night I had Washington. Now, you want to talk about a game that was never in doubt. Washington minus three, folks, was never in doubt. As uh, they put a foot in Stanford from the word go, never look back. So 2-1 and one weekend for me. I came into the weekend at 6-6, six and six, so I'm now 8-7 and seven in college football. Yeah, to pick it up. Usually better than that. And uh, I'm smelling a 3-0 weekend. Some good games coming up this weekend. So 8-7, and seven, that's where we stand. I'm going to take a quick break. When I get back, we're going to talk NFL football here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stay with me. Just be the self-self-rich You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Uh. 
Football season's here and you want yourself set up for the weekend. Well, the Gridiron Stud Show is the place to be. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. and get the best picks in college and NFL football from Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino. They'll break it down for you, give you a little analysis and a little intelligence. You can do that or you can do this and listen to this. Started off with the Broncos on the road. 
got the easy win that they were supposed to get when they came back home and played the 49ers. Then they played the Vikings, who are playing very good football right now. And then uh, they come back home and have a division game. Uh, well, not back home, but well, they traveled to Atlanta to have a division game against the Falcons. And, man, it just was not a good game for them. And if you had Julio Jones on your fantasy football team yesterday, I dare say you won. You won something on FanDuel. If you did the daily fantasy, it's, just, it's going to be hard for you to lose if you had Julio Jones. And if you paired him up with Matt Ryan, you had one hell of a day. Let's talk about the box score. Matt Ryan, 28 of 37, 503 yards passing, four touchdowns. Julio Jones, 12 catches, 300 yards, a touchdown. You think the Panthers are missing Josh Norman by any chance? Now, I don't know if you can shut down Julio Jones right now. Just looks like the best wide receiver in the NFL at the moment. And his numbers are going to be way up there at the end of the season, bolstered by this 300-yard performance in this contest. But I have to think that if Josh Norman is still a member of the Carolina Panthers, we don't see 300 yards for Julio Jones. I just don't think that that happens. Nevertheless, a huge day for Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and the Atlanta Falcons as they post up 48 points on Carolina and just what's going on with Carolina. Cam Newton, a pedestrian day, 14 of 25, 165 yards, one touchdown, gets hit upside the head once again, being checked for a concussion. He's getting more and more of those. Derek Anderson comes in. It's okay at first, but then throws uh, two inexplicable interceptions at the end and just thwarts the cup. I mean, Carolina, despite all those numbers I put up for Atlanta, Carolina had a chance to come back in this contest. So, you know, I wouldn't be too hot and heavy on Atlanta next weekend as they take on the Broncos, which, you know, no one's going to be anyway. But uh, defensively, there was some they sprung some leaks. Not going to talk much about the Lions or Bears. In fact, I won't talk about it at all. It was a game. It was played. It was won by the uh, Bears, who shouldn't miss Jay Cutler at all. I'm going to be very interested in seeing how they handle that. When Cutler comes back, you can't continue to have this guy leading your franchise. Now, I'm uh, on record as saying I'm a Jay Cutler fan. And why? Because the guy has show, he's he's made no moans about who he is. He's not tried to hide who he is. This is who I am. I'm grumpy. I have an attitude. I'm not much of a leader. And, uh, you know, teams keep signing him. So, I mean, if, you're, if you know what he is and you continue to sign him, I'm not going to get mad at Jay. I can appreciate people in life that don't hide who they are and just really put lay it out there. This is who I am. Deal with it. You want to pay me millions? So be it. That's on you. So that's on the Bears. But yesterday, Brian Hoyer goes 28 of 36, 302 yards, two touchdowns. Now, granted, I'm also one to tell you, let's, let's you know, let things play out. Let's see a couple of weeks of Brian Hoyer. Let him go through four games and let's see. But that's a pretty damn good performance in substitution of Jay Cutler. And it results in a win, which is the biggest thing, as the Bears beat the Lions 17-14. Just want to see what the Bears do in upcoming weeks against real opponents. Sorry about that if you're a Detroit Lions fan. I, I apologize. But uh, facts are facts. Lions just not playing the greatest football of all currently at the moment. And so it should come as a surprise to no one that they uh, 
get handled or and lose to the Bears. It is what it is. Seahawks back on track. Let's can we stop for a minute and talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick? Week before against Kansas City, tosses up six interceptions. I mean, he's going to send DBs to the Pro Bowl. I mean, if you're a defensive back right now, you want to try and readjust your team schedule and get the Jets on it because this guy's serving them up in two weeks, nine interceptions by Ryan Fitzpatrick. How long can the Jets put up with that? Now, granted, you're going up against two of the better defenses in the NFL, in the Seattle Seahawks and the Kansas City Chiefs. But, my God, man, you can't turn the ball over like that. Nine interceptions in two weeks. He's going to break records. That's got to be some kind of a record or close to it. Richard Sherman, a beneficiary of two of Ryan Fitzpatrick's interceptions yesterday. And on the flip side, another solid outing for Russell Wilson, who goes out and just does Russell Wilson-type things, 23 of 32, 309 yards, three touchdowns. And the Seahawks go ahead and improve to 3-1 and one on the season. A quiet 3-1. and one. No one's talking much about the Seattle Seahawks. Redskins and Browns, I tell you, the Browns found ways to lose. Raiders found a way to win uh, against Baltimore. The Broncos, how about that? Tampa Bay comes in off of a disappointing loss to the St. Louis Rams. And you'd think they'd come in and, you know, play some solid ball. Fat chance. Jameis Winston turns the ball over twice, throws two interceptions, doesn't do much otherwise, only 170 yards passing, completes less than half of his passes as he goes 17 of 35. Bucks couldn't muster any of any kind of running game, and uh, as a result, lose twenty-seven to seven. Despite the fact that Trevor Simeon had to go out of this contest with an injury, and in came rookie Paxton Lynch, who was fourteen of twenty-four for one hundred and seventy yards. Biggest thing I noticed about Lynch in this game is he had happy feet running out of the pocket a lot, not really staying with the play and going through his progressions. I guess maybe that's too much to ask of a rookie. I did see Dak Prescott doing that yesterday. But Lynch too eager to go use that athletic ability, and sometimes that athletic ability can be a curse for a quarterback. Knowing that you have it, you're not very patient within the offense, and that's what Lynch looked like. So hopefully the injury to Simeon is not... Uh, one that's going to cause him to miss too much here. I didn't get the latest on that, but we'll have to check. Because I don't know, things are going to be a little rough if Paxton Lynch is your guy right now. I don't know that he's quite ready. He's going to need some time to temper down those feet and stay within the offense because Denver Broncos' offensive system is very rigid. Not something you want to go and try and operate outside of the lines on. Maybe there are other offenses where you could do that. Not Denver's offense, as we you know found out last year with Peyton Manning. And I thought one of the best things Peyton Manning, one of the best seasons I think Peyton Manning had, which is crazy because his numbers were off, the passes were terrible. But you know, at the end of the day, the Denver Broncos won a Super Bowl. Manning becomes the first quarterback to win one with two different squads. And he had to work within the confines of the defense and not be the Peyton Manning audible at the line, call all his plays, call a bunch of pass plays type Peyton Manning. He had to operate within the defense, I mean, within the offensive scheme, which is rigid. And Kubiak holds guys to that. Manning bought in, and the Broncos were Super Bowl champs. Paxton Lynch is going to have to calm down and operate within that system. Man, big shocker yesterday was the Rams. Your Los Angeles Rams are now a 3-1 football team on the season. 
Now, when you watch them on opening night lose 0 to 28 against the 49ers, you're saying this is going to be a train wreck, a disaster, an absolute disaster. But what have the Rams done? They beat everyone's favorite to win the NFC West, the Seattle Seahawks. Then they go on the road and beat the Buccaneers, then go on the road again in back-to-back road games and beat the Cardinals, who's the other favorite to win the NFC West. Listen, folks, winning back-to-back games on the road in the NFL is not easy. It's especially hard when you travel from Los Angeles all the way to Florida to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, come back, and then got to travel the next week out to Arizona. But look at the Rams with Case Keenum getting it done as they go out and beat the Arizona Cardinals 17-13 to in this game. And how about my guy Case Keenum, who I've been asking and saying needs a legit chance and shot to play in the NFL. 18 of 30, 266 yards, two touchdowns. And uh, gets the job done for the Rams against the Cardinals. Next up for the Rams are those Bills that just shut out the Patriots. So, you know, we'll have to see if he can continue to get it done. But that was a big surprise yesterday. Uh, The Saints-Chargers game, I watched a lot of this game. I mean, if there's such a thing as point shaving in in the NFL game, it might have went down yesterday with the San Diego Chargers. Late in the game, the Chargers have a 34-21 lead at home, very much in control of a game. Looks like another game that the Saints are going to lose outdoors on grass. And I don't know what happened, but the Chargers just decided to give a game away. Melvin Gordon puts the ball on the ground. I mean, you're just trying to get into your four-minute offense and grind the clock down and, you know, get the hell on. And uh, he goes out and fumbles the football deep in their territory. Saints recover, go in, touchdown. Next series, okay, that happened. Let's just, you know, get out of this thing. A little short pass to Travis Benjamin, runs across the middle, fumbles the football, recovered by the Saints, go down, score, 35-34. Then the Chargers can't muster anything with their final drive, and they lose the football game. They're going to be sick if the Chargers somehow, and it's probably not likely to happen, now that they're 1-3, and and that's not a good start. The averages are against you when you start off 1-3. and But if they happen to come back and have a you know, a really solid run here and make a run at the playoffs and miss it by one game, this is the game that will really eat away at them. You had this game won, and uh, you just really, really gave it away. Cowboys and the 49ers, for some reason people were down on the Cowboys going into this game for this week. Don't entirely know why, but they were. Nevertheless, they go out and get the win. I mean, look, it's the 49ers. It's Chip Kelly. What was everyone so high on the 49ers for? You were high when you were high on the 49ers. Don't understand that. Nevertheless, Cowboys, for the third week in a row, getting it done, and you got to start giving props to the quarterback rookie, Dak Prescott. And with each passing week that they're victorious, it just you just see it brewing. What do you do when Tony Romo comes back? And now they're talking about week eight as a return 
for Tony Romo. Really? Is that what you want to do? The Cowboys go out next week and win this game at home against a tough Bengals team. And then go on the road and win versus the Packers and end up at that time 5-1. and one. How in the world do you put Tony Romo back in control in a division game versus the Eagles? I mean, we're headed for one deep soap opera come the return of Tony Romo. Because right now, Dak Prescott's getting it done. The rookie was 23 of 32 yesterday, 245 yards, two touchdowns. He is yet to throw an interception on this. He's the anti-Ryan Fitzpatrick right now. Fitzpatrick has thrown nine over the last two weeks. Dak Prescott is just being doing what you're supposed to do with the football, and that's not turn it over. And, oh, by the way, found a way to throw two touchdowns yesterday. We're headed for a big soap opera come week eight. And then finally on Sunday night, a major can of whoop-ass, a first aid kit being opened by the steel. I mean, they did not even give Kansas City a chance in this game. From the word go, the Steelers were kicking tails, score on the first, uh, score their first touchdown, go for two. I mean, they do the kind of stuff your friend does to you on Madden, just for no reason. Goes for two, gets it, eight nothing already. Pressure on the Chiefs. Then proceed to go on the next drive and score again, and 22 first quarter points, and it was no looking back from there. Pittsburgh goes out, wins 43-14 for your fantasy football folks out there. Ben Roethlisberger was 22 of 27, 300 yards. Le'Veon Bell, boy, did they miss him. But he comes out and uh, has a Le'Veon Bell-type performance. 18 carries, 144 yards, catches five passes for 34 yards. He's back, folks. Five touchdown passes, no interceptions for Ben Roethlisberger. He, too, is very happy to have him back. Alex Smith. Throws 50 times in this game. You don't see that very often for him. But, you know, being as though they were behind quite a bit early on, no choice. 30 of 50, 287, two touchdowns, throws an interception. Spencer Ware leading rusher for the Chiefs, 13 for 82. So time now for the FanDuel Fantasy Focus as we uh, have every week here. Emil pick three, I pick three. He did a whole lot better than me on this thing this week. Emil had DeMarco Murray. Only cost you $7,100 on FanDuel. DeMarco Murray cashed in big as he uh, put up 24.9 fantasy points on FanDuel. He also, uh, Amal had Kirk Cousins as the quarterback. He started off hot, did a decent job. He only cost you $7,600 on your FanDuel roster yesterday. He uh, puts up 18.3 fantasy points. And then he also had Trevor Simeon, which he was headed for a good day. But, you know, as I spoke about when talking about the Broncos game against the Bucks, left with an injury. So uh, tough, tough, tough call on that one. Ends up with only 6.7 fantasy points. I didn't do much with my picks, three picks this weekend. It took Lamar Miller. Uh, ran well, just didn't find the end zone much. And uh, that didn't help. Cost you 8,200. You only got 12.3 fantasy points. So tough one there. Took uh, Jones from Detroit. Thought that uh, he could keep it going. Wide receiver, 7,600. Didn't do much. As uh, Detroit's entire offense didn't do much. 9.9 fantasy points. And I took Houston. Houston's defense had a decent day, but uh, 
didn't set the world on fire. Only 10 points there for Houston. So, you know, Emil was uh, a better one to follow than, than I was on uh, the fantasy football focus. But, again, folks, um, daily fantasy is really where it's at. You don't have to be in a season-long league. And when you get injuries like that and they kill you, it's not the end of the world. Daily fantasy at FanDuel is, uh, is where it's at. New games each and every week. And, again, um, this year they've done some good things. You can create your own league, play with friends, invite some friends, and uh, you can create your own league there and play amongst friends. And then also for uh, folks who are brand new to fantasy football, you know, you've been hearing about it, you've been listening, uh, people talk about fantasy football and where you thought before it was just all for geeks. You're kind of having second thoughts since everyone's playing it. And you want to know, hey, man, how can I kind of cash in on my football knowledge? I know what's going on out there. I know who's going to be big time each and every week. We'll go over and join FanDuel. FanDuel.com. Use the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. And uh, you can get started over there. And they give you a little bonus when you use that promo code. And uh, they have some beginner contests for you. So you don't have to dive in there with uh, the guys with the computer programs. Or the real geeks that have been at this for you for a while. You can ease your way in and kind of get the lay of the land. Because as much as you know about football, fantasy football requires a little strategy. So you're going to need to combine that knowledge with uh, some tactics. And uh, you can figure out all that stuff out and learn all that stuff with uh, while you're doing the beginner games. You play against other beginners and kind of get your bearings. So head on over to FanDuel.com. Use the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS and uh, get yourself a nice little bonus and get started over there. So far as picks are concerned, how did Emil do? Neither one of us, you know, lit the world on fire. I was uh, 0-2 yesterday, took Carolina. That was deadly. Took Cleveland. They found a way to not cover. I think I'm done with Cleveland. Can't be doing that anymore. So the only thing I've got left is tonight's game with the New York Giants, and I have the Giants as an underdog. That's a damn good football team, and I think the hype is a little bit too high on Minnesota. Don't think he can give five points to a team like the New York Giants, even though they've got some injuries. Uh, to overcome. I still do like the Giants tonight, and they're a five-point favorite. According to my picks here, Emil uh, did take Jacksonville yesterday over there in London. That was his lone winner. He also had Arizona. They certainly did not get the job done and uh, had Kansas City, and they were their teeth were kicked in early and often. Well, I'm going to take a call before I end the show today. I'm going to head out to our number one fan of the Gridiron Stud Show. Les, what's going on, man? I'm flying solo today. Amos on IR. <laughs> Doing good. <laughs> I hope he gets yeah. well, man. What's going on? Um, man, I'm doing fine. Just recapping this weekend. Um, I took your guy Jones from Detroit, and he let me down, man. Just, I mean, they couldn't get anything done offensively. Man, hey, well, you know what, man? It gets to a point where you got to understand, you know, what the team offers you. I, I just don't think, uh, you know, I'm still on this Matt Stafford thing, but. And, man, one week you score 30-something points, and the next week you can't score against Chicago Bears. I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, but, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going on there with him, you know. But, you know, I thought he's, you know, I don't know what they did with Marvin Jones, but he's been, he's been a surprise uh, this year, you know, 482 yards already receiving. Yeah, he's done well, man, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got, I got him as one of my fantasy guys, and some days he's performed. Like last week, I think he gave me, like, what, 21 points or something like that? And yeah, he was nothing. big against the Packers, no doubt. Yeah, he gave, matter of fact, it was like, yeah. But, um, 
It was, it was a tough weekend, man. I mean, Michigan State losing again this weekend. Ooh, man, Indiana, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I mean, that kind of tells you where Michigan State's at this year. I just, you know, they can't be on top every year, and you just wonder um, how much is what Michigan and Ohio State has going on right now cutting into Michigan State. Is this just an anomaly, or is this going to be like a slow decline for Michigan State unless they come up with some kind of way to – grab the attention and, and continue to get what they need to get. Um, I, I think they're gonna they're gonna bench this quarterback and try another another method. I think we're going back to a brother at quarterback. Yeah, well, I mean I don't know much about the guy so we'll have to see. Right, right, right. But uh it was a good week in the NFL. I mean a lot of teams didn't show up that you expect to show up. Um I made some picks this like the weekend. Panthers maybe, uh, the Carolina Panthers I think. Hold on, Julio I, Jones just scored another touchdown. Less, he just scored I, again. I, 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 I liked Atlanta in that game. I think Atlanta is going to be a surprise, man. I think with the new head coach, the way the offense is ran, um, I think it gives them a lot of ability to, to do some things that they they've done before. They've always had a winning, you know, uh, you know, organization. I just think that this time they, they they're going to man up a little bit. I think they're a lot tougher than they were before. And they're going to win some games that most people don't expect. Can we talk about the soap opera that we're headed to in Dallas? Dak Prescott goes out, wins another game, yet to throw an interception. Solid performance on the road to 49ers. Two touchdowns, zero interceptions. The Cowboys have won three in a row. They're 3-1 and one on the season. And, you know, Tony Romo's due to come back week eight against the Philadelphia Eagles. If the if the Dallas Cowboys are 4-2, or five and one headed into that game, can you put Tony Romo behind center? Jerry Jones, if you do it, you're about the biggest, the biggest idiot ownership ever. I mean, the criticism I don't, I don't, will be out of this world. I, I, I don't know, I don't know what he's going to do there. You know, he's very loyal to Tony Romo, but Dak Prescott got, continues gotta, to go out there and get it done. You got you. You know, I I loved Prescott. I've always liked him. I think he's a great athlete. He just wound up finding the right situation, and mm-hmm. you know what? He's in, he's in a situation now where they either turn the turn the keys over to him, or if they go back to Tony Romo and he get hurt one more time, it's gonna be the worst situation that they ever did. Cause yeah, because don't you take the family. wind out of the sails of a Dak Prescott? I mean, he's got momentum right now. You, let's say you want to stay loyal to Tony Romo and you sit Prescott for one or two games and they happen to be losses. Now can you bring Prescott back, and will he be the same after you've kind of busted his balloon a little bit? With, you know what? That's, that's a, I think he's a mature young man, and I don't know how he would handle it. But I think it would take the sell out of the team because you got a lot of you got a lot of guys out there really riding high right now, and they're gonna they're gonna do what their job is supposed to do. But I think if they get in that situation, I think Des Bryant will be like, "Look, this kid is coming in and doing his damn job. Y'all better let him stay, because uh, if someone's gonna have to speak up, whether it be someone on the defense, because some, they're gonna lose something if they do it. Because what's gonna happen is someone's gonna hit Tony Romo." And he's going to be done again. I guarantee you, man. I can almost guarantee you. If he plays well, again. I, he's going to get hurt. Yeah, there's season, no question. Season, he's going to get hurt. I mean, did, did you see the pre, did you see the after locker room with uh, Jeff Fisher and the Rams yesterday? No. What happened there? 
Oh my God, Jeff Jeff Fisher said, "Hey, we just gave Arizona a Christmas present. We'll see him after <laughs> Christmas, and, and, and uh, they went. They ain't gonna have a quarterback. Look, they they wow. intentionally went out and put the beaters on oh boy on Carson Palmer, dog." Yeah, look, how how about those Rams? But before I leave this Cowboys thing, you did bring up Des Bryant. And you know what? The reports are coming out of there that Des Bryant has missed some 20 to 40 or been late to 20 to 40 meetings. You know, um, he's just not showing the leadership that you need to show as a veteran wide receiver uh, on, on a football team that's got a couple of impressionable young players on it, like a rookie quarterback and a rookie running back you went out yesterday and won quite fine without him do you need to continue to put up with des bryant um i mean there's a salary that comes with that lack of leadership too that well, you could probably be happy well, to drop off well, the books hey well you know what the thing about it is this we have to get back to how we we we, we perceive the dallas cowboys the dallas cowboys are the team that they used to be you know, you still have the Michael Irvings. I mean, Michael Irvin mispracticed. I mean, all of them mispracticed. You mean, tell me what player didn't mispractice. It's, it's guys that do that or miss meetings or, you know, not coming and being responsible as they should. I mean, they've been dealing with him for a couple of years now. They know how he is. They know what he brings to the table, though. And, I mean, Jerry Jones is not going to say anything to him because, I mean, he's one of the top receivers in the league. I mean, what are they finding him? It worries me, though, uh, Les, why is this stuff coming out? How is it coming, in, coming out? Who's putting it out there? Someone somewhere uh, has an agenda they, as, it is, as it pertains to Des Bryant. You know, well, um, you, next, you didn't hear about this back in their glory do? days, right? Right, right. When is this, when is this contract up and due? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to have to find out, but that could be a tactic by the team who, uh, you know, doesn't want to – have him break the bank, but that is interesting that you bring that up. Um, is this how things are done in this day and age of social media and we're media happy? Um, is this how you keep the numbers down on a contract um, is to bring stuff like this up and get it leaked out? What I think they'll do, what I think it seems like is, is happening is um, they're going to leak out information about him, and then if he's hurt and he continues to get hurt, what they're going to try to do is renegotiate his contract and try to get less money out of him. I mean, get some money out of him. I mean, give him yeah. give him what he's worth, but, but take a little bit back. And then, because you can think about it, they got to find a way to sign Des Prescott. I mean, Prescott's for some money, because if they don't, I mean, he's in that contract, but, man, he's about to be that player. He's about to be their quarterback. And, I mean, Dallas is jumping right now that they got a brother at quarterback, and he's doing well. Yeah, well, you've got you've got the pieces there. You've got you've got the uh, you got the rookie quarterback. You got the rookie running back, who by the way went out and had himself a nice little day. Twenty three carries, one hundred thirty eight yards for Ezekiel Elliott. Um, now you might want that young wide receiver that you could find somewhere in the draft and kind of take it back to the old days where you had the triplets. You had Emmitt Smith. You had Troy Aikman. You had Michael Irvin. Maybe you want to get back to that formula, and uh, I don't know, is Des that guy, or do you want to go with a younger guy? That's going to be interesting to watch as we go down. And finally, man, uh, your boy got back on the field, and, and, man, he didn't waste any time getting busy, and I'm talking about Le'Veon Bell. 18 carries, 144, catches five balls, and juke the hell out of a bunch of people. Um, and obviously, hey, Ben hey, loves have, it. Do you, have you, have, do you really – have you sat and watched him play the game, man? Listen. I seen him catch the ball in the flats. Number twenty four came up and tried to 
you know, tackling, he stopped and he realized, man, this kid ain't as strong as me. And it just kept kept going forward. I said, oh, my God. You know, I got to say this to you, Les. I watched Le'Veon Bell in college. He was not this. He was not this right here. He's a monster right now, man. I'm going to be honest. If he hadn't set out with the with the, the drug problem, with the marijuana thing, I mean, he's the best running back in the league. But behind, I mean, Agent Peterson, you got to say Agent Peterson, Le'Veon Bell. Because I'm like, man, he, he just made their team look just like a playoff team. And, I mean, he came to the line of scrimmage sta- standing right behind the line, and they didn't know which way he was going to go. I was like, oh, my God. And, I mean, he's yeah. just so strong Out- and physical. It's amazing. Outstanding, man. He goes out there and puts up 178 yards of total offense. But it's not even just that. It's just, you know, his presence there turns into Roethlisberger being 22 of 27 for 300 yards and five touchdowns. No this was not, um, you know, this this was not some run-of-the-mill defense they went up against. It was the Kansas City Chiefs that they did this to. Man, they made they made Kansas City look like Kansas City shouldn't even put their uniforms on yesterday. I was just like, I'm like, is this the Kansas City Chiefs? That, and and I yeah, they the had them looking like better game. They had them looking like uh, like the the Jaguars or the Colts out there defensively. Um, so and yeah, look, Le'Veon Bell makes a difference. They didn't even have Cesar. That's <laughs> so funny about it. Yeah, I'm Cesar like, didn't even play in the contest. And Timmons was running around banging folks, man. I was like, oh. I said, what do yeah. you got into these guys? So, and, you I know, mean, they what? were embarrassed the week before, though. They were, so you knew they were going to come out big time. But 43-14 over the Chiefs was not anything anyone expected. Well, listen, man, appreciate you calling. Right. Me. I'm going to wrap this one up. And, uh, you know, give us a call on Friday, man. Let us know what you're thinking. Man, hopefully I'm in town and I ain't doing nothing crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my man. I'll see you. Hey, have a good one, bro. All right. Lester Johnson calling in uh, to the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, listen, that wraps up another edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. I want to appreciate all of you listening to the weekend wrap. We talked about high school football, talked about college football, and, man, was there plenty of solid action this weekend in uh, college football. I mean, it's going to be tar- hard to top that next week. But, man, college football is the best reality show that there is each and every week provides us with something some more great games coming up as well as in the nfl uh so you gotta love it we're in the middle of football season but it's already october 3rd good gracious all right well listen again thank you all for listening continue to make us a featured show on blogtalkradio.com and uh again we'll be back on friday check us out then enjoy the rest of your day high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges, step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.